This episode of the Vacant House Podcast is brought to you by Lori Lachlan. Do you have a son or daughter who is clearly too dumb to get into a prestigious college? Or maybe you lack the money to get your precious child into one of these universities. If so, then meet Lori Lachlan. She promises to fund hundreds of thousands of dollars into fake charities just so little Charlie or Lucy can live their dreams partying in Southern California. So what do you say? Trust Lori Lachlan today. Oh, and Lori, if you're listening, don't worry. I'm sure it'll be a full house where you're going. Oh. oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Vacant House Podcast. My name is Spike Salter, and as always, I am joined by the Babe Ruth baseball all-star himself, Kyle Bargo. Eat a dick. That's awesome. And the paper salesman at Dunder Mifflin wished that they had Hayden Snook. I'm the best. I thought you were also going to say eat a dick. <laughs> I thought so too. I was, wait- I was waiting for it. Well, you guys. Know, I thought about it. I took I took a break and I thought about it and it didn't happen. So I am excited for tonight's episode because we have a lot of stuff to cover. It's kind of like rapid fire sports here. And as we've discussed before, it's, it's crazy because – in the summer, I think these sporting episodes are going to be more just based on one or two subjects. But in the early months of the year, it's crazy all these st- all this different stuff happening between uh, NFL free agency and MLB free agency and March Madness and the Masters and the start of MLB. There's so many things happening. Uh, but first, before we cover everything, what's new with you guys? So Hayden's been extremely busy. How about it, Hayden? Um, actually, yes, I have been extremely busy. Uh, <laughs> um, I just have been working so much that I don't haven't really done anything new since the last time you guys heard from us. So I am just going to say that I've been doing a lot of work stuff. Work's been going well. I gained some, uh, some new customers and sales are picking back up because we're heading into the summer season. So, uh, things are looking on the up and up and, uh, hopefully they will continue to climb. So Fargo. Happy to hear that Hayden. So, I also had a very long day today. Granted, it started at 9, but it was still a very long day. So, uh, every month for my job, we have a monthly meeting with everyone that's in like the same kind of group as me. Like, not departments, but everyone that's in the same program. And we always have a service event every day. So, it was those two things together. And our service event today was cleaning up uh, some of the Pittsburgh riverfronts. And it was just cleaning up trash and litter and overall, like, anything that is left over like the remnants of the homeless so i was uh, there was this big batch of branches that were sitting like like someone stacked them there and like the sleuth that i am i was like huh i wonder if there's anything under there so i scratch around and like i'm digging this shit and there's like this this brown leather thing that i can see so i pull on it and it was a big trench coat like a big leather trench coat and i was like oh my god there's probably drugs in the pocket money and obviously, I didn't actually expect that. But I reached my hand in the pocket, and there was a plastic bag that was double knotted, and inside of it was a phone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? So what? I have I have the phone. They let me keep the phone. Um, I'm really curious as to what's on it. I don't know if it's like a burner phone, like a drug phone. What, what kind of phone? What phone was it? Like a, like an older one or like a Nokia? So you would expect like a flip phone, but it's a yeah. cricket phone. And there's, like, no scratches. The screen's not cracked. Like, 
it wasn't like someone threw it away because it wasn't working. Like they, I'm 99% sure it's a burner phone. So I'm going to, whenever I get the time tomorrow, I'm going to plug it in, charge it up, see if there's a passcode and I'm just going to dig. And I was like, Hmm, what if the FBI has been tracking this phone for a really long time? You're and, done. And I turn it on and I'm done. But I signed my uh I signed my waiver for the group that we were cleaning up trash with today, so I can always default to that or pin there it on go. someone else. But yeah, very, very interesting. <laughs> the, FBI, the FBI gets a signal again, they're like, guys, it's back on. Yeah, and they, they come up and invade my house. I'm like, oh, this guy has a lot of video games. He can't you know be how a terrifying that would be. That would not be good. That that's like uh streamers getting uh what do they call that? Uh, swatted. Swatted. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's some serious stuff too. Except they actually think you're a serial killer. So exactly, well, they might they might think that I'm a serial killer. So I'm excited to turn it on and see what comes of it. There's, got, I mean, there there has to be a story with that though, like right? Because it takes effort to put a phone into a bag, double knot it, and then bury it. Right. That that's where I'm at. Is like I like, can't. Who just, just let them... who just who runs out of their upgrade? You know, who upgrades their phone and their old phone? They're like. I'm going to bury this. Yeah, so I have two theories. The one that I think it likely is is that it's a drug phone or a burner phone because that seems way yes. too, like, obvious. Or it, was will... like a, or it was, like, a homeless person's phone and, like, they just yeah. lost it. Or it's just someone's phone they lost. or like Because it wasn't, like, it was a ratty jacket. Like, it had been there. I would say that it's probably been there for, like, maybe, like, a few months. Enough yeah. that, like, it, it started to, like, disintegrate and stuff. Yeah. But my, my other funnier... Uh, Thing that I was telling all the other guys was there's probably some hot shot, shot executive. So like our president of the company that I work for, he doesn't use any phone. That's not a Blackberry. So yeah. all the custom apps that we write, we also have to write a version for the Blackberry, which is ridiculous. So stupid. That's, that is absolutely it ridiculous. Is, it is, he, it is. he has a president could can't have like yeah. a work yeah. phone. That that, that's like, absolutely you know insane. I mean? But when, when you're that big, whatever, whatever you say goes, well, my my process wow. is my thought process is there's some hotshot exec that he does he refuses to charge his phone, <laughs> so he just buys a new phone every time. So, but he but he buries the other one. So I was just I was just thinking like he just chucked the phone, and like so I'm <laughs> I'm thinking it's it, it might be something illegal because I was thinking like. If you want to get rid of the phone, then why wouldn't you just throw it into the river? It's not like Pittsburgh doesn't have any rivers running through it. Exactly. But then I was thinking there's got to be something worth keeping on there. So they want to hide it, but they, but they don't want to destroy it, hence the bag. Right. You haven't so, charged it yet? Or I haven't. It? So I actually I, – I was up in Tommy's room earlier. I got home like an hour ago. So I think Spike – or maybe not even an hour ago. I think you actually beat me home today. But I, uh, I went to go plug it in Tommy's charger, and it was charging, but – I wanted to just deal with it tomorrow. I didn't really feel like doing yeah. it now. Like I'm curious, but it's also like I don't know. I've had enough of a day. I don't want to be. If I'm gonna get the police, if I'm gonna get swatted and the police are gonna come, I'd rather it be tomorrow than today. But well, hopefully, like, it's, what if, hopefully it is the police. If anybody's tracking it, right? Yeah, yeah. That, what if, yeah, that's what I'm just about to say. What if it's like some psychopath that's that like is true. that that chipped it and like that's weird. And there's stories about Pittsburgh serial killers. Like there, so I, I feel like we're kind of going to conspiracies. It's not a bad thing, but there's this. My mom called me probably like three, four months ago, and she's like, "You need to get out of Pittsburgh right now." And I'm like, "What? Did something happen?" Because I thought it was like something like the synagogue happened. Like she found out about it before anyone else. Because we had that attack like not that long ago. It was during football season. 
Um, yeah. And I thought something like that happened. She was like, no, there was just the, the Pittsburgh PD were on Dr. Phil today talking about how there's a, there's a potential for a serial killer in Pittsburgh, but they keep dismissing it, all the cases, as just males drowning in the river. So essentially what happens, there's been like, I think, eight to ten cases of uh, guys that are in their 20s, like early 20s, mid 20s, I think one or two that were late 20s that they found in the river on like random nights of the week. So like Thursday, Saturday, whatever. So they think there's like a serial killer running around Pittsburgh, but they're dismissing it as guys just getting pissed drunk and going by the river and drowning, right? So I don't know what that actually is, but the the fact that it's a big city and there's there's a, a thought process that maybe there is someone that planted this phone for like a cyclist to come see but that was buried way too well for yeah i would be shocked if someone comes to my house and they're like ah you got my phone i would be shocked and that's whenever i uh i was just listening to a kevin hart show his new netflix show i don't know if you guys listen to that or not mm-hmm. but he was making this joke about how uh, he got in this, like, his house got robbed, and he got in this big defense mode, and he was hiding all these guns around his house, and he kept, like, he was like, he was beating a dead horse, it was a really funny joke, but he was like, yeah, I'm in the laundry room, hidden gun compartment, um, I'm reaching in the oven to grab the turkey, up, hidden gun compartment, so, like, <laughs> I, I would most definitely, if someone is trying to track me, I'll, I'll pull something out, they won't get me. Yeah. But, Did oh, you guys ever bed. see that commercial for uh, that hidden gun compartment in like in your bed stand? Like, no. <laughs> it's hilarious. The guy like like you reach back with your hands and a shotgun falls in. Like you reach your hands and, like <laughs> this yeah, little like, trap door oh and a God. shotgun falls in your hand while you're laying in bed. And the, the whole advertisement was basically men like beside their wives, like oh, <laughs> like old God. fat white men. <laughs> getting getting a shotgun out of their bed stand and, and getting ready to go shoot an intruder but that's kind of scary like i don't know yeah i don't know if i'd even be messing with that to be honest yeah and that's why no one else really wanted to take it but i was like ah, eh, if it's meant to be it's meant to be just open it somewhere random in pittsburgh <laughs> yeah i'll go to the uh i'll go to some bar on saturday night and that's when i'll open it when i'm drunk <laughs> that'll be that'll be the best possible what are you like uh, what if like I, i'm just thinking of the possibilities like what if it is actually someone like waiting for the first person to what if it's like some kind of sick game that they're gonna send you a text tonight that's like you want to play a game and that, like dude that that's what kind of worries me but at the same time like half the reason i collect video games is just the curiosity of what's out there in like random people's houses and like that's why what one of the things i really like about it so like i'm really driven by curiosity and like i like to see like how things work and why things are here. And like, I, I could not just leave that cause they were going to take the phone and just either throw it away or they were, cause they weren't going to take it to the police or anything. Cause there's no like reasonable cause or anything, or they were going to take it to one of those recycling th- kiosks in Walmart and get like $2 from it. But I was like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll mess around with it, but I'll keep you guys updated. I'll, I'll be, I'll be messing around with it tomorrow. And if, if you're, you're alive me, tomorrow, don't give me that. <laughs> I, I can't not do it now. There's no doubt. I I mean, I have to do it, right? Yeah. No, I think you have to. I have to. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's meant to be, I guess I might. What I might do is I might work on a will tonight, just in case, and then I'll. There you go. Work on it. Yeah. There you go. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. (laughs) Do you have a lot of? Do you have a lot of money put somewhere? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I have my uh, my 700 bucks in Robin Hood and about <laughs> a lot of money in student loans that I can give to someone. <laughs> I'll take them, man. My life's already over, so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you Good could Lord. use more. That's for sure. <laughs> at least you're living at home and you can just pound through them, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Tell everybody that I'm a basement hermit. Thanks, Margo. I didn't say that. <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth. That's slander. <laughs> well, speaking of Pittsburgh, Juju and AB were beefing. Um, on I would I would enjoy if I would be able to say what's new. No one really cares. Uh, yeah, I, I figured. Yeah. I figured. Now let's just skip over Spike I mean, though. It's all get right. a microphone though. No, just let's skip over Spike. It's all good. Yeah, Spike. I completely forgot. We went on a uh, a tangent about six tangents on the burner phone. So what, what's new with you, Spike? Planning a bachelor party. That's it. I'm done. I said who? it. I said what I said. Oh, I'm just. I've been planning Brock's, and I have learned. No one I, cares. I care. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, it's been definitely eye-opening. I had no idea how much a best man did. So I looked it up the other day, and because growing up, you always think it's a speech and mm-hmm. it's a bachelor party, and mm-hmm. then then the other day, because it, I mean, it's it's only a couple weeks away. I looked it up, like, what a best man does, and I hope all these aren't true, because some of them were just, like, I can't even remember, so don't ask me what they were, but some of them were just, like, over the top, like, am I really supposed to do this? Like, what? You don't remember any of them? I don't remember any of them, because I didn't even want to look at it. Like, it freaked me out. Yeah. How much responsibility <laughs> I have. Brock's like, probably oh, expecting all of this stuff, and you're not going to have any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is they're already married. Right, so yeah. you know they eloped by the way for everybody listening they eloped but they're they're having their uh, actual ceremony here in a couple weeks so i've been doing that and the planning the bachelor party has been easy in like the stuff that we'll do and i won't say anything of what actually we'll be doing it's just the little details that it's actually really hard to plan so mm. i've just been doing what, that 10 people's schedules eight 10 people yeah yeah coordinating people's schedules making sure that you know they take off work um because it we can only do, you know, one night on a Thursday, but, uh, I know I see what he's writing in the, in the, in the Google doc. Oh, Hayden. Uh, but yeah. So speaking of Pittsburgh and Barga, you alluded to it. So this past week, as many of you probably know, Juju Smith Schuster and AB gotten a little bit of uh, Twitter drama. And what I'll do is I will read Antonio Brown's initial tweet and then read Juju's reaction to it. And then I'll get you guys' reactions. So it all started, on the 7th, so four days ago, Antonio Brown posted a picture of Juju winning the Steelers 2018 Most Valuable Player. And AB had this to say, quote, Emotion, boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind to busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. And then Juju had this to say, quote, all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shot at me, shots at me on social media. And then he had also this to say, crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at people who show you love. Shaking my head. So, Bargo, we'll start with you since you're living in Pittsburgh and you're a Steelers fan. Reaction to that? Yeah, it's, it's messed up. And all I... All I wonder is, does AB have someone, because most superstars have someone that at least manages their Twitter, or most celebrities. Um, normally, it's not them straight tweeting, and a lot of people have that misconception. I mean, you have 
Trump, who you can tell there's absolutely no one that's, <laughs> that's managing his Twitter. He just does his own thing. But for someone like yeah. Antonio Brown, who's already beefing with the city that kind of gave him a start because he wasn't expected to be this hot shot out of college. Um, he obviously evolved into that through working and, and trying to better himself, and he was a great player. But with everything that happened, the tantrums, the underperforming that we kind of talked about in episode zero, like just talking about the Steelers season as, as a whole, I, I just think it's hard for Antonio Brown to really, I don't want to say open his eyes, but for him to go from being the guy in Pittsburgh, I think he kind of blames Juju in a way for him going out. Because if you think about it, whenever Juju came as a rookie, he made an immediate impact from USC. Yeah. And that's kind of the time that Antonio Brown, he still had the spotlight, but a lot of people were talking about, like they were talking about how the killer bees were going to dominate. And that's whenever the Le'Veon Bell drama started popping in and then Antonio Brown started being more of like a, a drama queen and it just became super negative. But the impression that I'm getting up here, and it's it's no different than how I think everyone feels nationwide, is Antonio Brown's supposed to be this veteran. And whenever Juju comes in, Antonio Brown was like a three, four-year vet. I think maybe more than that. I'm not 100% sure. But he's been in the league long enough that he's supposed to almost be a mentor for Juju. And he's been in the league since 2010, I think. Yeah, I, I know it's been, I don't know, time kind of escapes me. But yeah, if, I mean, if that's true, that that's eight years. You're expected to be a vet. You look at people like Larry Fitzgerald or like a Heinz Ward. They would 100% take people under their wing, and they're just trying to get to the Super Bowl, be the best team that they can be, represent their city. And Antonio Brown didn't do that. Uh, I think he got jealous, and, I mean, we're in the situation we are today. Um, it definitely doesn't help his cause. And, of course, there's Raider fans that are out there saying about how the um, – about how we're kind of screwing Antonio Brown over and they didn't do this when Khalil Mack walked, but they're two very, very different situations. Extremely. Yeah. If if I'm not mistaken, uh, the A.B. and Juju drama didn't even end there, did it? I mean, he, he ended up posting an Instagram post the, like the next day. Oh, yeah. A.B. did, and it was like a vid- a picture of their DMs where Juju is at USC and said, hey, man, I really look up to you, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into the league. Do you have any advice for a young player like me? And, like, he posted that as if, like, people would be, uh, like, I-, I don't know, sticking up. that was helping his cause? Yeah, yeah, he, he posted that as if, like, I don't- did you not see that, Bargo? Uh-uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, he, he posted that thinking, like, oh, this will make people think, like, like I'm actually a good person when in reality it's like completely 180 on him. And yeah, it's just, so full, it's just full negative. And like one more thing I'd like to insert here is there's a club in Southside called Foxtail and Juju is always there. And you can tell when Juju's there because the line, it's like this preppier, nicer like club and they have concerts there too. Uh, it's kind of like a dive bar type concert area. It's not super big. But when Juju's there, the lines are crazy long. But I've never heard anyone that's had a bad interaction with Juju. Like he just kind of acts like a regular, like a regular person. And the fact he's yeah. on Twitch and he's gaming and he's streaming and like he's just a bro, and people know that, and that doesn't help AB's cause either. So, I mean, 
as a Steelers fan, I loved what AB did. So I'll say that first. He was a great football player for us, one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receivers to play for the Steelers. But I will say this about Antonio Brown, and, and nobody nobody can disagree with this because there's, there's visual proof. He's a very selfish player. There have been several times where the Steelers have won and he has had a bad game and he's pouting, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then there have been games where they have lost, but he did well and he's you know as happy as can be. So I think he's selfish, number one. Number two, after I saw that whole DM thing with him posting that about Juju and expecting everybody to like be on his side about it, I really have to question his intelligence. I mean, that was just really dumb. Mm-hmm. Even even people who were on his side were like, man, AB, like that, like take take this down. This is making you look really dumb. Mm-hmm. I think I I just really question his intelligence. I, I he's 32, 33. I think his first year or two is going to be all right with the Raiders, but by the time that their rebuilding process is complete, he's he's going to be past his prime. So we'll I out. think yeah, he's going to be out. I, I think this has just all been a giant loss for Antonio Brown, and I think part of him kind of knows that because I think I mean he has to know that the Steelers are going to do better than the Raiders. I mean they just are. Like the I know the Steelers lost AB and Le'Veon, but they still have the number one offensive line in the NFL. They still have James Conner. They still have Juju. They still get draft picks. I I just have to think that part of him knows that he lost in this situation, and that's why he's still on Instagram and still on Twitter doing this kind of stuff, looking for attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's almost, like, really, like really, really pathetic. Yeah, it's you sad. Know, it, it's just – it's not a good look for the Raiders organization, him doing this stuff. Like, it, it, it makes them look like, oh, they endorse things like this. and So, Hayden, yeah. so just as a, just as a sports fan – and you can, I mean, it can be a short answer if you want, just as a sports fan, but you, you at least live in Pennsylvania. So you're going to hear about this stuff more than if you lived in like, you know, North Carolina or something. Right, right. What do you make of this situation? Who's right? Who's wrong? Is someone partially right, partially wrong? Like, what do you make of it? Just your general opinion. Um, Personally, if I was Juju, uh, I probably would have just ignored like everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I I don't think he's wrong by any means, but and I think him responding isn't a bad thing either. I just personally wouldn't have responded because by him responding, he opens the door to more uh, scrutiny from AB and from his like people and anyone who sticks up for him. So, um, but AB is very much in the wrong. Like <laughs> there's no ands ifs or buts about it. They he just. Uh, Posting things like this is just—it's embarrassing. I, it was so—it was—it was so wrong and embarrassing that other NFL players commented on it, and well, not commented on the original post, but commented on that take. And like Eric Weddle mm-hmm. uh, said, he was a moron. I uh, forget some some defensive player for the Texans said he can't he can't wait to hit Antonio Brown this coming season. Yeah, I've never seen. I've never seen something like that. Yeah, I've never seen something like that. Because Juju, Juju even gets along with everyone else, like in the league. He's just a nice kid. People want to like talk to Juju, and like, it's it's not that he's just putting on this front either. Juju is actually known for being a nice person. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't be involved in these outside or outside organizations if he wasn't a nice person. And I mean, just look at look at that DM that AB posted, like. Yeah, a super super nice and humble kid. 
Yeah, for for him to post that is just so dumb. I just I just can't see where in his mind he was like, you know what, this, you know what, this is gonna get him. This this right here is gonna get him. And that's why I question his intelligence because it was so just so wrong. Well, have I you mean, seen his haircut? I know, and his mustache when he was going through all this. I just, I, like I said, I lo- I love and respect what he did for the Steelers, but I've always questioned his character and. Ryan Clark was right on ESPN. Ryan Clark said that when he was with the Steelers and AB was asking for all this money and they gave him the money, Ryan Clark was like, this is going to be bad here in a few years. And Ryan Clark was absolutely right because it's, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Yeah, Ryan Clark's always been a critic of AB and, and it, it's kind of proven proven true and, and like understandable. Um, so it kind of flashes me back. I Hayden, I know you and I were there and I think Kelvin was there too, a few other people. Remember when AB came to Huntington? Yeah, yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah, so AB came to Huntington, and it was supposed to be this. You, you stood in this big line. They came to what a Verizon store, or right, something really right. weird. It was, it, was, like a, it was the grand opening of a yes. Verizon store. The owner of the Verizon store knew Antonio, mm-hmm. and he brought AB in, and it was supposed to be like this nice meet and greet. Everyone was supposed to. They weren't going to sign any autographs. It was just going to be pictures. Which, I mean, Hayden, we we got this uh, this. Uh, cover of Antonio Brown on the cover of Madden 17. It was like a custom print and we printed it out and we were going to try to get AB to sign it and put it in our common room and uh, for the next year because that's whenever we were living in the, in the in the quad. And I remember that AB came like 30 minutes late and then he left. It was supposed to be like two hours. He left like 45 minutes to an hour in yeah. <laughs> and didn't, didn't sign it and got pictures i think we we missed it we weren't we didn't miss it by like a little bit we missed it by a lot and there weren't even like it wasn't an unreasonable amount of people to get through in an hour if you're just getting yeah especially just pictures exactly you and i easily could have just like went through and yeah like he would have been there probably for another hour or two and i got the impression when we were there like that kind of put a negative taste in my mouth because it wasn't even ab like ab wasn't acknowledging anyone i don't know how it was whenever you're actually taking the picture but he walked out and we were still standing in line and everyone was like, why, where the hell? That's AB. What, what's he doing? What's he doing? And then his agent or someone was like, okay, he has to leave, but everyone that's standing in line, come get a picture with him. I remember that I'm really I mean, pissed me off. Yeah. Because it was like what? 50, 60 people and AB just standing in the middle, like not even smiling or anything. Yeah. And then funny story, Hayden and I actually, we went up to the, the owner of the Verizon store or like some employee and we were like, Hey, so we got this for Brown to sign. And we never got through the line. Just sign this quick. Just like <laughs> sign it like you're Antonio Brown. Because I'm not going to sell it or anything. And we're t- going to tell everyone in our common or in our suite that we got Antonio Brown to sign this. And honestly, <laughs> that dude did a really good job. It looked yeah. like Brown's signature, That's which awesome. blows my mind. So it's still actually hanging in my room at uh, at my mom's house in, in Reedsville. So I thought that was pretty really. Funny. Yeah, that's but, pretty cool. But yeah, well, whenever he like, whenever he came out and like did that group picture, I remember you said to me, "Hey, do you want to jump in this picture?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "I was like, no." I said, "I'll take the picture." But man, I'm just, I, yeah. I was just so irritated that he was leaving like literally thirty minutes into the whole session. Yeah, it was really screwed up because it wasn't even. I don't even think it was when we were in Huntington. That was like the summer had started. No, we yeah, we were in uh, summer break. Mm-hmm. So no, that was after our it. freshman year. That was yeah, after our was. freshman year. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure, like, we drove up from Lewistown for it. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I remember I remember him coming up. I forget where I was, but I remember I remember hearing about he was coming to Huntington. It was it was a huge deal. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't think a lot of people were were happy after that one. Oh, I wouldn't so, be either. But uh sticking sticking with football here though. Uh, this past week, or maybe or, uh, late last week, the AAF, uh, the Alliance of American Football, is hereby suspended. And not only not only was it suspended after one season, no, it didn't even last a season. They, they still had two weeks left after eight, or uh, yeah, two weeks left after eight weeks. They suspended it. So, uh, Hayden, what do you think about that? Did you even did you even watch any of it? Because I I gotta tell you, I watched like two games, and it was horrible quality. I mean, I, I actually did watch it, and I'm surprised you said it was horrible because I actually enjoyed it. Like you know what? Real quick, I think the reason why – I think I watched the – I think I watched Christian Hackenberg's first game. They lost like 26 nothing. Yeah, they were the worst it. team in the league. So I think I team. ended up watching two of like the worst games of the season. So that's why yeah. I said it was poor quality. Yeah, I, it was actually pretty cool football, I thought. I mean, everyone was – it was hard-hitting and – which is, if we know by now, the NFL is not hard hitting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, For good it was reasons, just, but yeah. it was kind of a, it was at first, it was kind of a nice like breath of fresh air, and then like it, it seemed to me anyway that it was too good to be true from the start. That like eventually something was gonna go wrong, and I didn't expect it from the business side, but I expected it from like the player standpoint that where there was gonna be some form of lawsuit or something. But I, I don't really have much of an opinion other than like it, it wasn't much of a surprise to me. Yeah. Just because like an attempt at opening, I was just surprised that there was so much TV time for it already. There was, yeah. And I and I wonder this, and and then we, I mean, it's tailing off a little bit, but not much. With this as a failure so far, I wonder what it's going to look like when the XFL opens up next year. Mm-hmm. I, like you can't tell me that they weren't like maybe a little bit happy that their competition suspended, but at the same time they were probably using that as a prototype for what theirs is going to be. And now that it's already suspended within eight weeks, like they're probably freaking out a little bit. I'm shocked that the XFL is coming back. I know. I love I love me some Vinnie Mac, but there man, you go. Yeah. Man, he, I I don't know about like it should have died where it was. <laughs> And it's unless he makes some drastic changes where this is actually going to be like, maybe they're, they are behind the scenes actually going to make this work. And it's actually going to, who knows, maybe it blows up and maybe it ends up giving the NFL run for its money and ends up being like a, a training program for the NFL or, you know what I mean? Who knows? But mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't see anywhere else, but like failure. Like they've, spent, the they've certainly invested enough money in it. They did. Yeah. It's crazy. So here's my opinion on it. So I'm very upset that it closed. Um, I, I followed this thing for a long time because they remember. I remember they initially announced it um, that they had the idea in like 2016. Like they had the idea like 2012, 2013. But they had they they came out and and talked about it and discussed it and uh, they were talking about why the AF the AAF was better in, than the XFL and why the original XFL failed. And they said that it was because it was overpromised and un- it overpromised things and underdelivered, and it was also very gimmicky. Which, if you remember looking back, if you guys ever like even went back to like the the original XFL they tried to start, it was football, but it was a very altered form of football. It was very strange, yeah. and there weren't that many strange rules in the AAF. I think you always had to go for two, if I'm correct. 
Um, there were a few things that, that were different than the NFL, but it wasn't like a completely different game. And the XFL kind of kind of strayed toward that line. But no, I was very upset because there were some good people that were really behind this. So Bill Polian, Paul Amalu, yep. Heinz Ward, um, even Mike Pereira, who like did the rules. Like they were part yep. of that process to start the league. And they talked about they had that big announcement that I tuned into talking about all the team locations and they opened the like what day they would open the season and when they could sign players. And as someone that played college ball, it, not to say I would want to or or I could, but having another opportunity because when you play a sport, especially football, you put a ton of time into it. And for a lot of people that play football, specifically in like SEC schools and, and schools that you don't really get the education portion of it. If you don't make it to the league and you don't make it to the CFL, you're not any better off for all the time you put into it. Like more often than not, you're going to be working like a nine to five job and it's not going to be a good nine to five job for a lot of the, uh, for a lot of people that really didn't care to further their education. And that could be on them, but it was nice to see an opportunity for people to almost get another shot at it. And what I liked a lot whenever like they started doing over like the draft for like the quarterbacks and how they were signing people is that it was a lot of familiar faces or people that had storylines behind them. So Hackenberg, who was not, I mean, he had a few opportunities in the NFL. I mean, he, he started for the jets for a little bit and he, he just never produced. That's another opportunity for him to get back into the league because he was really good in college. Right. I mean, I just liked that idea of it as kind of like an, a stepping stone or like a a growing area because you look at the NBA, they have the um, what's the league spike, the NBA, the G, the G League, like that's proven to be, I don't want to say necessarily helpful, but it's good for development as opposed to just throwing, because uh, I mean you know a lot more about basketball than I do, but I think it's hard. There's it takes a special type of player to go from being like a March Madness phenom in college to starting in the NBA. Like that's a big gap, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about how Fletcher McGee was amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if you never hear that name again. Right. Carson Edwards was amazing, but he's also very, very small. Don't be surprised if you never hear his name again. Right. Well, and, and that's very similar to like, or that, that, sorry, that's the complete opposite of like, rookies and in, in in college football like yes there are a lot of really good college football players that you never hear their name again but there are a lot of college football players that come out and start as rookies because not to say like the learning curve is easier in the nfl but i mean there's only five spots in the nba or 10 spots whatever and there's 53 plus. yeah exactly so that that's like a its own little beast but i was really upset i, I liked the af um and I, and I saw an opportunity in the AAF. It, it seemed a lot different than the XFL, and it came at a really good time too because everyone was. If you remember this year, the league opened up, and there were what like fifteen or twenty missed calls where it was roughing the passer if you just landed yep. on the quarterback, and people were not happy with the NFL. People were not happy with Roger Goodell. Uh, people were not happy after the Super Bowl because they didn't play Sweet Victory. So I mean, you have all you have all these people coming at the NFL for a variety of reasons, and this open their season started a week after the Super Bowl was over. So yeah. if you if you were against the NFL, you're looking at this as a replacement. You could go and see football mm-hmm. games in the X or in the AAF league for half the price, a quarter of the price, as going to the NFL. And yes, it's not the quality, but it's still 
football, right? You're still in a, in a stadium watching the game, relaxing. And it also kind of filled the void. If you liked the NFL, you had this once the NFL was over, and you, you didn't really have, like, this big gap that everyone – because people get so excited when football comes back. Because right. when football is gone, it's it's like hell on earth. So I was really upset that this that this froze up and and it was over with. Uh, there were definitely some some warning signs with it. Like they had that they said it was if I remember right they said it was like a payroll it, like a glitch in the system where after the first week the players didn't get paid and they covered that up like it was a glitch. I don't think that's the case. And then coincidentally after is whenever the uh, the guy that owned the Carolina Hurricanes, the NHL, NHL team, uh, Tom Dundon. That's whenever he had like this big investment, and supposedly he was putting a ton of money into. He was essentially doing the payroll week after week, and he essentially pulled his funding, and and that's probably what what shot it down. What's really interesting to me is the fact that you didn't hear anything from the initial people that were pushing the AAF. Like you didn't hear anything from Heinz Ward, who was like the the player operations guy, Justin Talk Prayer. You didn't hear anything from any of those guys. The only thing that I saw once it ended, outside of news covering it, was the head coach for the team. Okay, so the Eagles signed the quarterback from this team, and he was a a pretty legendary head coach. They had the best record in the AAF, and he he put a picture up on Twitter of the ball uh and it, it was signed and it said uh <laughs> it said AAF season one champions on it and this is after <laughs> they knew that it was over <laughs> so it, it was just hilarious um one thing that i i began to think about whenever the a like especially when i was seeing the AAF and how that was going down and then how the AAF uh initially like eventually became a failure mm-hmm. um so is it possible that these like sporting organizations, so these associations and leagues like the NFL, the Major League Baseball, uh, NBA, is it possible that these like have like monopolized almost in the sporting world? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so like there there can't be like competition like for the AF to come in there and like have a promising almost a promising like uh, foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And then for it just to like get cut off, like it was, yeah. and it and it and it probably came from the NFL saying like, oh, this isn't gonna be like our minor league, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they yeah, go ahead. And like it just it just seems like these <laughs> the NFL, MLB, all these the leagues are like almost bigger than life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. They absolutely are, and I think that's why people liked what the AAF was trying to do. Because that's almost the same as someone trying to compete with EA to make a new football game. And that that's happening. Uh, but because they can essentially do anything they want to next year's Madden and people are still going to play it. Because there's no other option, right? So you look at it from like the league standpoint. No one can pop up in a day and create the AAF. Like that obviously took some time. And whether or not the execution was right, I don't know if it was a lack of funds or a lack of experience or... I really don't know. We don't really have all that much information outside of just like what happened, but I don't know what the root cause was, but the fact that they weren't able to do it definitely reaffirms the fact that 
these leagues have monopolized. There's nothing to compete with them. And they, I think they're all kind of understanding that they're not competing with each other. I think they're all just kind of uh, just coasting along because you don't... I, I think before you used to have people comparing ratings between sports, but I don't think someone from the MLB is like, how do we make this better than basketball and compete with them? Like, they're they're happy with the market share because they have the entirety of it. And, I mean, they're they're making rules to make it more entertaining, but I don't think it's because people are watching another sport, right? Like they can all coexist together is, is my point with that. Um, just real quick. The, the team that had the most wins was the Orlando Apollos. And it was coached by Steve Spurrier, who was the coach from South Carolina, South Carolina. And then Florida, I think, I think he was in Florida at one point. I think he was Florida before South Carolina. Okay. But yeah. So (laughs) hot take there from him. Uh, weird flex, but okay. But anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was like one of our more interesting topics because it was kind of like, again, like you guys said, it wasn't like the end of the season. They decided not to do it again. This is suspending operations right in the middle of <laughs> the season. Everything happened. Yeah. And now you have thousands of people that are out of jobs. Just Yeah, I mean, I've never it. seen something like that where something's just shut down in the middle of the season. Like that was crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's messed up. I mean, like I said, I'm going to be interested to see – what the XFL is like, mm. uh, if they, if they, I'm, I'm obviously they're not starting up for another, what, seven, six months from now, Something but, like uh, that. eight you months, know, but you know, the saddest uh, part about all this is the fact that all these AAF players immediately after the league ended got signed by the NFL Yep, shows that it would have worked as a, as the NFL minor league, right? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. You know I, I, I mean? think. I mean, scouts and coaches were definitely watching that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubting it. It just, yeah, a lot of them got signed. A ton. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't think of the numbers around it, but yeah. there was more than a handful of people that got signed. Oh and, yeah, and they will. They will see time in the NFL, <laughs> which is. Yeah, okay. I mean, you look at someone like uh, Trent Richardson. Didn't look that impressive, but he was a high end leader just because he can lower a shoulder and drill through maybe like a, a two or three star defensive tackle. But there are some people that, that really never got a chance that had cool storylines behind them. And now they find themselves on teams in like a backup role. So that, that's super cool. That, that, no, that no, in that exactly. Way. Exactly. I'm actually excited for the XFL to see what the nicknames are going to come up with. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that was the XFL with the nicknames was so funny. Yeah. That will be interesting. Some of those. But uh, if you guys don't have anything, Hey, do you have anything else to add with that? Not really. And I mean, it's just, I don't know if the NFL can ever have a true like competitor in the United no. States. I, I, re- I really think that all of the major sports right now are, aren't going to have, they might have rivals, but not huge rivals. Mm-hmm. I, I just really think that even though people are upset with the NFL, the NFL is still huge, massive. Worldwide, I mean, they're in Mexico and London now. That it's a monopoly, but you know, and no, it, it probably is. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be rivaled with to the point where it actually hurts it. I just I just refuse to believe it. People have their There's own. There's just opinion. so much money. There's just yeah. so much money yeah. into these leagues. So like these billionaires come in, own a team, and they just push so much money into it, and they make so much money that mm-hmm. another league for that to even happen, like you need a bunch of billionaires to come together, and you know what I mean? It's just got to – something's got to click the same as the NFL, and clearly it didn't, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, well, we'll move on here. So, obviously, this past week was the Final Four, and we had Virginia and Texas Tech in the finals with Virginia pulling it out at the end. Uh, what's you guys' take on all that? Uh, reactions? You know, surpri- Were you guys surprised? Go ahead, Bargo. So, to take a step back, the Final Four game between Virginia and Auburn yeah. was – crazy so that was that was nuts i will say this about this past march madness that although there weren't really any true cinderella stories it was one of the best march madnesses in that almost every single game was a great game yeah there were a lot of really good games a lot a lot to do a lot of that involved virginia and a lot that involved purdue with carson edwards and and duke like they were all people like players you wanted to see have really good games and come together but I was really disappointed in the outcome of the Virginia Auburn game. I had a, like a hundred bucks uh, of office pool money that would have came my way if Virginia would have lost. But I mean, that is what it is. I definitely think that that was a foul, um, and they they should have called that. I, I don't think you have people argue in all sports. Like if you look at the NFL, I forget what game it was. It was the season with the replacement refs where Aaron Rodgers chucked it down the field and there was a lot of pass yeah. interference, but they caught Touchdown it. Touchdown Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're not going to call any of that because it's the end of the game. I think that's really dumb. I think you should call something. That's when you should be calling if it is a foul. I mean, it is a foul. It is a foul, yeah. So if By it's, rule, a foul, it's a foul, the end of the game is when it's the most important to, to make the right call. So I get that. Yep. The fact that the in my mind, I don't know if it's because I was so glued to it. I haven't watched it back that many times, but I feel like the whistle was really late. For when I say really late, like a second or two seconds after you would have expected the foul to be called, because it was like a second or two after, like both players landed back on the ground, the the, the foul or the ball had already left his hand. Because here I am, like I'm watching the ball, and like as the ball about hits the hits the rim, or I don't, yeah, I guess it hit the rim. Uh, you hear the foul, and it's like, what? I'm not even looking at that. I'm looking at the ball, right? Yeah. Um, and you had the – who was it? Not Kyle Guy. Who was the other guy? Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Uh, he had the, the miss call where they didn't call the travel. Yeah. But, I mean – That was – that yeah. was – I was more upset at that because, first of yeah. all, I I saw that live, and not yeah. I'm not trying I to didn't. say that I'm, I'm like <laughs> yeah. an aficionado basketball. No, so everybody was making a big deal about, about this because everyone was saying – if it hits off your foot and you pick it up, it's a double dribble. Yet, while that is that is true, it doesn't matter if it hits off your foot or not. It, even if he just like try to do a behind the back uh, move and the ball gets away from him, and then he goes picks it up and then starts to dribble again, that's still a double dribble. Doesn't matter how you put. Doesn't matter if it hit off his foot. It's still mm-hmm. a double dribble. So the fact that the refs are saying that, oh well, the way it hit off his foot, it just kind of stayed there. It didn't look like it hit off his foot. It doesn't matter. He still picked up the ball and dribbled it. That's yeah. a double dribble every single time. I don't care if I don't even care if you're in hall ball. That is a double dribble. That is the most mm-hmm. basic thing, and they missed it. And and I'll say this about the three pointer by rule. Even though people hate when you call uh, calls like that at end of like huge games, like in Super Bowls, you don't want pass interferences. You just want it to be a touchdown. Right. I, I understand people's logic there, but that is a foul when you leave your feet to shoot the ball. And the defender comes in and disturbs your way of falling or coming down naturally. Your that motion, is a foul. Yeah. That is yeah, that's, that's a foul. 
every yeah. single time. Doesn't matter if it's in the first five seconds of the game or the last five seconds of the game. It just sucks that it had to happen in the final four like that. And I think it's and I think it's almost uh, different than football in a way. It's like basketball; those rules are like set in stone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there's no like interpretation. I mean, I guess there can be some interpretation, but like there is, but there's definitely uh, less. I, I see yeah. where you're coming from there. Yeah, because like the with the NFL, like there's so many different things can. There's so many missed fouls all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, right. there's in basketball, there's so many obvious fouls that, and if they get missed, it's very like, it's very easy to point out. You know. I mean, in the NFL, you could call holding every single play if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Offensive line, <laughs> as a former offensive lineman, I can promise you that you you hold every play. Yeah, I do. They don't call holding. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is nice in basketball that there is such a clear, such a clear rule in that if you leave your feet and your way of coming down or your body is interrupted in any way, unless obviously you touch the ball, it's a foul. And it's nice that they do have that simple of a rule in place where compared to the NFL, we can't seem to get a catch or pass interference set in stone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that game, the outcome of that was really disappointing for me. The MSU game was disappointing for me because it that was a not, blowout. Yeah. And it wasn't really, it wasn't really a good game and it almost looked like Michigan state just like ran out of gas. Uh, and then the national championship game, was better than we expected. Um, I know, Spike, last time you said you were kind of hoping for it to be Auburn-Texas Tech because it would be the most boring game ever. So I will uh, say this, that it started out as potentially the most boring national championship yeah. game ever, and I was excited. Now, I am, <laughs> glad I, I am glad I got to watch a good game, but in the first eight minutes when each team only scored like 10 points, it, it I mean, it, it was a recipe for disaster, and uh, I actually have a... I read a stat that it was the it was the third lowest ratings in the last decade for a national championship. Wow. And I, I do and I do have to believe that if that game would have kept going the way it was going, it easily would have been the worst ratings. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that really saved it was the fact that it went into overtime and it got exactly. close at the end. You can't tell you can't tell me that that number probably didn't just plummet after the first, you know, ten to fifteen minutes of that game. Yeah, and, and it's bizarre too because like each year, obviously, everyone and their mother fills out a bracket, and the the hype is for the opening round and the round after that, and then you kind of just follow. You don't obviously follow. You don't watch every single game when there's an opportunity, like you do in the round of 64 or round of 32. Yep. But typically, you go to the national championship game, and it's still interesting. You want to see it through, and I don't think that's just vested interest. Like I don't think if if Michigan State was in there and I had them as my champion, I would want to watch that game. I think it was just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I would have, but I don't know if it was just the people in there or what, but I had no, the only reason I even turned it on was I looked on ESPN and it had like three minutes left in overtime. I was like, ah, I guess I'll, yeah. I'll watch it. But and, and I don't know if it was, again, my interpretation or not, but whenever I turned it on uh, and, and watched it in Virginia 1, it did not seem like everyone was super excited. Like it did not seem like there wasn't enough emotion and it, I don't know. It, it was just very. It felt very like lax, very neutral. Well, on everything. And, I, and I'll say this. So I'm looking at the stat right here. So 19.6 million viewers every single year, except for two, was over 20 million. So ju- and, and I'm not saying this just because it's Duke. I'm just saying because this is the power that a Duke, a Michigan State, a Kentucky, a Kansas, a North a Carolina, yeah, yeah, a blue blood. This is the power that they have. 
So this year was 19.6 million. 2010, when Duke won, 23.9 million. When Duke won in 2015, 28.2 million. So oh. 10 million more viewers. Who was the other team in that in the 2015? It was Duke, Wisconsin. Mm. So I'm just saying that that's the power that I understand. And, that, and that's, that's the curse and the gift that March Madness gives you. There's two gift and curse. There's one in that you don't really pay attention to the regular season, but March Madness is magical. Again, March Madness is magical, but if you have a Cinderella team, if you don't have a Cinderella team or you don't have a blue blood in there, ratings are going to suffer. Now, would Ethan Happ have been a freshman in 2015? Um, I think, he, yeah, he didn't play though. Oh yeah, I, I guarantee he wouldn't have. But because that was uh, that was Frank Kaminsky's year. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, and, that was, and there was Frank a lot of Kaminsky. hype around Frank Kaminsky for sure. So I don't know. I don't think he was because because I'm thinking of Duke's freshman those years and Grayson Allen was a freshman. Hmm. So Happ must have been a freshman in 2016. But even looking at like the the players and the specific teams, like. Let's say UCF gets there, or or Oregon got there last year. Like you don't have like this one or these one or two big players. Like yeah, Virginia had Kyle Guy and I keep forgetting his name. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. I mean, and and they they were good, but I I don't know a single person on Texas Tech. I knew about that the kid that was essentially homeless. Like they had that story and then yeah. he joined the team, but like it wasn't like one superstar kind of fueling it or a bunch of superstars like Duke. Well, that's, that's, that's my point is that mm -hmm. you, you looked at these final four teams, you looked at these national championship teams, how many star phenom freshmen do you see? None. None you you none. have actual teams, teams built around experienced players. So instead of having, you know, two nine out of tens and then the rest are like, and then like one seven out of 10 and the rest are four out of tens, you have five to six, seven out of tens, and they all play together for three to four years under the same coach, under the same system, and look how far they've came since last year. Mm -hmm. So, Spike, I have a question. Go ahead. Um, so, in these uh, tournaments, and I, I obviously don't watch too much basketball, so I don't know much about it, but is there any value in these, like, Cinderella teams? So, like, obviously there was uh, Loyola Chicago last year, right? Yes. Uh, is there any value in getting them like further into the game? So, like, let's say Loyola Chicago ends up in the national championship last year. Is there any value to that? Like, do you think that adds viewership? Do you think that takes away from viewership? The reason I I think it would add would be because it's obviously like that Cinderella story. Then you have the whole the country. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean, you yes. have the whole country behind them. So I'm assuming people would watch that. But like so, teams like Texas Tech in Virginia, like it, it doesn't seem as like probable to get. Yeah, behind. yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, here's what I'll say about that: Do I think Cinderella stories are good? Yes. Do I think now? I think it would depend. First of all, if they would make the national championship or final four, I think it would depend on who they're playing. If it's like a Loyola Chicago versus like some boring team, I, I still think you'd be lo losing viewers. I, I think this, that Cinderella teams are good up until the final four. I still think, and this is kind of similar to the whole NFL, you know, monopolizing. 
March Madness viewership is always going to demand a blue blood. And I think if you have a Loyola Chicago in there, you have to have them playing a blue blood or you have to have a blue blood on the other side. I think, and I think they do, exactly what I just said is that they ran into this problem where the only blue blood, which Mission State is kind of, but kind of not because they also haven't won in like 20 years, mm-hmm. that viewership's going to fall. And I think viewership, I understand where you're coming from with, you know, the country is rooting for this Cinderella team, but people want to see stars and normally Cinderella teams go up to a certain point, but then they kind of fizzle out and like they get crushed usually. And I I think that would kind of hurt it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I, uh, so I don't like, I don't have much of like an opinion here. Um, (laughs) I just didn't, I um, to be honest, I didn't even watch the national championship. (laughs) And, And to be honest, it's because like, both teams like didn't interest me enough you know what yeah. i mean yeah and that and that's honest to god truth like usually i would watch it like if it was a duke or wisconsin like i remember in college we were uh at a party bargo i don't know if you remember this we were at the american house and duke and wisconsin were playing and we were all up in frank's room watching yes, duke versus that. wisconsin yeah. johnny J was crying because <laughs> who won that year was duke. It? yeah, it was yeah. Duke. he was crying he was because anti-Duke. Yeah, he was crying because Duke got, beat Wisconsin. And he was like, those those Wisconsin guys deserve it. <laughs> and, and and here's my point is that if you just kind of piggybacking off of the Cinderella, I was thinking about this while you were talking. If you do have a Cinderella team in the national championship, you're rooting for them to continue their Cinderella run. Is it truly a Cinderella run if they don't beat someone that people hate? You know what I mean? Yeah. So if they don't, if they don't beat a Duke, if they don't beat a Kentucky, if they don't beat a Kansas, they don't beat a North Carolina. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I don't think I would watch that national championship. Like if it was yeah. a Loyola Chicago versus like a Virginia, yeah. I gotta tell it, you, it, it'd I, be like it'd be like the Padres finally winning a World Series and beating the Yankees or the Red Sox. Yeah. So while it's a good story, you want to see them play someone and beat someone that you actually hate. Not right. So, yes, I think it would add viewers, but at the same time, you would also lose the viewers you would get from a Blue Blood team. You need them taking down an evil empire. Yes, like, exactly. You just – it's just – that's how a, like, a superhero story happens. They need to take down the supervillain, you know? Yes, exactly. No, that's, that's perfect. So, no, that was, a really, that was a really good question, and we haven't really seen it yet because – so, like, George Mason, for example, back in, like, 05, 06, they were, like, a, an 11 seed, a 12 seed, and they made it to the Final Four. And they ended up beating UConn, and they were a number one seed. And so, while people were, yes, were technically watching them as a Cinderella team, that's when they started drawing in the viewers because they beat a blue-blood UConn back when they were really good. Right, and that would have been Wofford in Kentucky. That's why people liked Wofford, but they ended up not, not winning that game. Yes. So, I see what you're saying. Like, you, you want to – you want each game to be a good game. So yes. even though you might want, I don't know, uh, New Mexico state to upset like Nevada or something like that. Yes. So, C- so CBS is not rooting for a Cinderella team. To no, win a- absolutely not. They want ones and ones. They want the yes. best possible game. They, yeah. in fact, in fact, I'll say this CBS is having wet dreams over Duke versus North Carolina. And hundred percent. That would draw in at least 35 million viewers. Mm-hmm. That might be a little steep, but well, if that you think about it, 20, 28.6 million viewers for Duke versus Wisconsin, 
I don't think seven million more, less than seven million more to watch Duke North Carolina would be much to ask for. Well, you had the stats up. What was what was the record for most all time? Ooh, I, I just saw the last decade. I can I'll look okay. that up if you want to. Because I can't imagine with with how media is, I can't imagine that it it's probably ever past thirty thousand. I, I just feel like that's a little bit of a stretch. I, I completely understand where you're coming from because it really hasn't happened recently, but I'd be willing to bet like the year that it was Kaminsky and it was Duke and then probably the, the Villanova. Who'd Villanova play where they won on the three? Uh, well, North Carolina. I, I feel like that was a really good game and a lot of people were watching that. And maybe that's just like how like we're we're vested into a certain team and we like him in our bracket, so we're we're more inclined to watch that game. I don't know how that mentality works, but I feel like Duke Carolina, Duke North Carolina. A lot of people would watch. I just don't think it'd be as drastic as you think. I just, man, I got, I don't know. I see where you're coming from. But. I just think that it's you already see in the regular season. There's 20 million or 15 million people watching it. Right, but I feel like it's you cap off season. after a while. I feel like if there's 15 million watching it in the regular season, you assume that I mean it's obviously a prime time game when when Duke and North Carolina play. But you have yeah. the Duke and North Carolina fans plus the people you're netting in from from prime time. I feel like you're not going to get an extra seven million people to tune in. I guess, I guess it really just depends. I, I think part of it too is when people feel invested in something. More off, like obviously, if you look at uh, who's picking who, if you go to like ESPN and look at who picked uh, what team the most, Duke was by a fat margin this year. Yeah. Followed by North Carolina and then the other Gonzaga and, and Virginia. Like it was all the one seeds. So if you have Duke and North Carolina in there, along with the other 10 people in your bracket pool, everyone's going to watch that game because that not only determines your pool, but that determines your bracket. You have that actual vested interest. Whereas if it's Virginia, who was probably the least picked one seed, I don't know if it was them or Gonzaga, and then. Texas Tech, who no one expected, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like at that point, a lot of brackets are settled, and you're not really, you don't really have anything to watch for. Because, so here's, yeah, here's why I disagree, and I have a number here. Okay. So in 1992, Duke versus the Fab Five, or no, this would have been, yeah, yeah, Duke versus the Fab Five, 35 million. Hmm. And that's that's Duke versus the Fab Five in 1992. Hmm. I wonder, okay, I wonder how those metrics are captured because I would I would just love to see, and, and obviously it would be dependent on, on who's playing who, but I would love to see like if there's any sort of trend line down when more people started like streaming it because you could always stream through that March Madness app and it's not necessarily yeah. through CBS. I'm just curious. That's something I want to dive more into because I, I see where you're coming from. I it just hard. It's hard for me to I mean, think I'm, that it would be that much yeah. more. You know I'm not I mean? like. I'm not like. Oh come on, man! Thirty-five oh, yeah. million. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying right. though that the the viewership of that game would just be. I mean, oh, absurd. In recent yeah. day, in recent memory, it would be un, unheard of. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we we disagree in the fact that it would be like the biggest game of the decade at the very. Oh my gosh. From, yeah. From what from what I know and what I've seen. Yeah, um, but but that's just the nature of March Madness. It never happens that way. Yeah, it, right? that's it, why it, that's why it's magical. Yeah, but I did I did want to bring up this uh, this tweet. I don't know if you guys uh, know Big Cat from Barstool, but he tweeted this out and I retweeted it. Um, he said, "Got to give Virginia." He said, "Congrats, Virginia! Hell of a hell of a run and some absolutely insane games. Virginia won all three of these games. 
So in the Elite Eight, they were down by three to Purdue with five seconds left in the game. In the Final Four, they were down by four to Auburn with 17 seconds left in the game. And in the championship, they were down by three with 12 seconds left in the game. So that's crazy. Not, yeah, it really is, and that's that's when you know like those are the the three. Expect like early on, you expect one seed to stomp 16, 15, whatever. Yeah. Like the, the big, the big, the big, uh, the big blue buds, big seeds to win by a margin. Um, but yeah, you love to see games that are really close. And Virginia, all of Virginia's games in those last three rounds were really entertaining, and they they kept it close. Now, I'm sure Virginia fans weren't happy about it because at the end of almost all the games, Virginia blew like a five, six, seven oh, yeah. point margin and then came back and finished it in the end. Uh, and so, got, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, now I didn't pick them to win, so I'm not like, yeah. this is why I picked them to win, but that's why mm-hmm. I picked them to the Final Four just because, and I know I've said this before, they had so much more to fight for. Mm-hmm. And whenever they kind of broke through that mental barrier against uh who was it it wasn't gardner webb that was north carolina oh no that yeah it was gardner webb um whenever they broke through that mental barrier i just thought this team's gonna win like they just were fighting through so much they came in with a different mentality than that of a duke than that of a gonzaga than that of north carolina and all off season, the same guys were there. They were hungrier. For, they were hungry for a different reason. And yes, it was the same ultimate goal to win the whole thing. But they could look back and see that that game they played not to lose. And I think all these other games they played to win. They were aggressive. They weren't. They were never a scoring team, and they scored a lot more this season. I'm. Just, I'm really not shocked that they win. Am I? Am I shocked that they won against Texas Tech in the finals? Yes. But am I shocked mm-hmm. that they win? That they won, no, because I think they have one of the best coaches in college basketball, and they just fighting for a lot more. Mm-hmm. No, and it was cool. It's always cool to see a school that never had a national title before get a national title. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought that uh, that Virginia had a lot of guts, and obviously, we all know what happened last year with UMBC. That's a lot of people's. Uh, hesitancy in picking Virginia to go very far, which I think they were the least picked one seed. I could be wrong. No, they probably were between them and Gonzaga, but uh, yeah, people and and with how the first game went, it just wasn't a storyline, which is what I was talking to you spike off the air is that Virginia kind of blows my mind because we talked in our, in our podcast in the first March madness uh, episode, we talked about all these storylines and what CBS would like to talk or would like to see. And I know we all said, like, yeah, Duke, North Carolina is definitely what they want to see. They want to see the Blue Buds. But you have someone like LSU who doesn't have a coach. You obviously have, like, Cinderella stories that could really come out of nowhere. And then you have, like, just, like, bits and pieces of people. But never in, in, in that at all did we say, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if Virginia, who lost to the first team ever to lose to a 16 seed, came back and won the national championship? Because you could make a movie out of that. Like, not to say that's an all-time low, definitely a deep low, but it's not like they were 0-35 and they won the national championship the next year, but that is, that's quite an accomplishment, and the fact that a lot of these kids, a lot of the kids that were playing were still on that team, and like you said, they set out to prove something, that that really shows, and I'm I'm happy they won, so good for them. You don't want to see, you don't want to see a team pretty pretty much, uh, if they would have lost the first round again. I would have felt bad. Not, I would have felt bad not only 
but I felt bad. But that would have been the worst possible, like, stroke of luck ever in terms of, like, odds and gambling and, and just dumb luck that that you not only were the first team to ever lose, like, that would completely destroy Jay Wright. And then you do it again. And, <laughs> yeah, and just keep doing that. But, but, yeah, they would end up not being a, a one seed anymore just because of that. Oh, yeah, every single year, you know, Virginia goes like 30 and 5. All right, well, we're just going to put you at a four seed. Yeah. Uh, see what you can do here. <laughs> exactly. Maybe maybe you'll win there. We can't put you against a 16 seed. It looks bad for us. Looks like we misseeded it. <laughs> exactly. So now we're in the uh, – now we're in that time of year right after March Madness where all these people are deciding if they're staying, if they're going. Obviously, Duke, RJ, and Cam Reddish uh, have already said they're going. Zion, I'm sure, is not – Hot gone. take Zion sting. Wow, let's, you heard it here. You heard it here. Let first. me let me tell you why he's staying. Because he knows that if he goes and gets Duke a national championship next year, that he will go down as one of the greatest Duke players of all time, but also one of the future greatest NBA players of all time. If he stays, I will give you each five hundred dollars. Bet. And, yes. and if and if he stays, I will give Hayden the five hundred dollars that Spike's giving me. Yes, absolutely. So you'll get a, you'll get a thousand dollars from Spike. Bet. I'm be- yeah. What what's the catch? So it's, it's, there's no there's no catch. It's hilarious <laughs> though because usually every single year. So it's actually kind of a relief this year because every single year I go through this and there's like. One or two that, yes, obviously they're going pro. But then there's like one or two that either I'm kind of waiting to see their answer or I didn't even expect to go and they still go. Luckily this year, Trey already said he's staying. And like I already freaking know that RJ, Cam, and Zion are all going. Like it's the most sure thing in the world. So I'm actually kind of sitting back, relaxing, chilling here. I, I feel I feel good. Trey, st- Trey Jones is staying and I am like pumped up about it. Now do you think... Here's a question for you. Do you think that we had we had this discussion, I don't know if it was on a podcast or was off air, about how, and you said this earlier in, in the podcast, where you don't you didn't see a team like Duke or Kentucky or I guess you could even throw Kansas up there where it's just young guys. You see like people that have played together for two, three years go up there and, and, and be a team and you have the chemistry and everything like that. Do you think anytime soon, Duke's going to fall back into that? Or do you think they're going to continue to be the one-and-done type team? So, because you, you, uh, you said that with Cam Reddish, right? You said that that really screwed Cam Reddish over because he was, yes. like, one of the the big dogs in that, like last season, right? Uh, In high school, he was. Okay. And then, and then he, I mean, he was, he was the number one guy in Pennsylvania, and then you get thrown on a team, and you're, you're number three now behind mm-hmm. Zion and RJ. And obviously, you're going to get no press because Zion Williamson's on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, the answer Spike, yeah. uh, sorry, before you answer his question, then uh, a second question to answer then is, do you think Duke relies on these one and done players to keep their program at like a- as the blue blood, as you say? And as I don't know if that's a common term. Is that a common term in basketball? I, I'm not sure. What? But it, it, blue blood. Yes, yes. Okay, so like, does Duke rely on these one and done players? Then just kind of add on to his question: Do they rely on that to keep their program kind of at the top, as known as the blue blood, like 
kind of team that they are. So I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you why they started to do this because Duke pre 2015 was known as a team that developed, developed above average players into great players over three to four years. It, it was unheard of for Duke to have a one and done. Um, other than Corey Maggette and Lou Aldang, everybody stayed. J.D. Reddick stayed. Christian Leitner stayed. Bobby Hurley stayed. Grant Hill stayed. Everybody stayed. And then I don't know if it was like Coach K wanted to out John Calipari. John Calipari, like, you know, like beat him at his own game because John Calipari from Kentucky was having the number one recruiting class over and over again. I don't know if Coach K was feeling like he was overtaking him or what. But all of a sudden, Coach K – has just he won't stop and I, and I think the worst thing that ever happened to Duke so far like recently is them winning in 2015 because they won with four freshmen and but that was with a senior guard and Quinn Cook he was a leader and now I feel like coach K thinks he can do it but the problem is he doesn't have senior leadership anymore he doesn't have that and next year I think might be a little better because Trey Jones is staying so at least he'll be a sophomore he can bring some of these freshmen in. But, yes, to answer your question, yes, they rely too heavily on it. And for some reason, Coach K just – I don't know if, if he thinks that since he's, you know, coming towards the end of his coaching career, he needs to have all these players get him to the NBA and that will raise his clout more or what. But it's clearly not working. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it's just not. And it's not – I don't know if next year will be any better or not um, because they will have some upperclassmen. But, yeah, they rely way too heavily on it. I don't understand why they do this every single year when there's such hype around one or two players and then the rest of the players feel like, you know, the minutes that they have in the game, they have to, you know, they have to shoot three t- three or four times and make every single one of them and it puts more pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if Duke, I mean, <laughs> if Duke didn't shoot, three-pointers and they just rely they would have won the tournament if they just didn't shoot three-pointers if they just refused to shoot three-pointers they would have won the tournament oh they would have been just fine but for some reason they they just didn't dude how many times did zion yeah and he made a few of them how many times did zion pull up like you don't it makes no sense for someone of that caliber like because it's it's really uncontested down low no one could match up with zion it actually kind of pissed me off when he would shoot and yes he made a few but it's like just freaking go. Just just drive in. Go. Draw yeah. a foul. If you get if you get called for a charge, whatever, but go. Stop stop shooting the three pointer when you guys are literally 199th in the country shooting threes. Early uh early winter of March Madness next year. Oh Production. man. Just, just I, one. Um I'm trying to think of a team that's gonna kinda return all their players. I know what Hayden's going to say. Hayden, what are you going to say? Oregon, baby. Yep. Oh, boy. There it is. <laughs> Oregon all the way. Watch. It was either going to be Oregon or a Big Ten school. Listen, if <laughs> <laughs> if, if what if Oregon actually wins next year after I've, <laughs> I've been an Oregon stand since the beginning? Oh. <laughs> Man, actually... if they would somehow win. I'll actually go with Michigan State. They're returning everybody, and their like second best player who was hurt all season is going to be returning too. So I'll go Michigan State. 
I'm gonna go Kansas State because Dean Wade's back. Is he really back? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty oh sure he's gosh. he's only a junior. Uh, North Carolina is losing like literally five of their best. All five of their best players are gone. Hmm. So that's the thing, though. Know. In in these like semi one and done programs, you lose all five, you get three, and then you build. You have pieces around it. Yeah, North so. Carolina actually is known as like a not one and done school, and oh, they, really? had two, they had two one and done this year. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's just pretty that's good. Just but... Success because everyone just wants to get paid. Yeah, the and day. then last thing I'll add about Duke is that uh, April nineteenth, they're they're probably going to get another top ten player, number eight, Matthew Hurt. It's it's super annoying, but who, who knows? How do you hurt as in like H U R T? Yep, Matthew Hurt, Minnesota. They do really well in Minnesota for some reason. That's, that's where Trey and Ty's from. Yeah, I bet he goes to Kentucky. So his teams. His four teams he's picking from, and it's like hilarious because uh, of course these are your four teams: Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. Like giving why, no why other even narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's it's, it's hilarious. What is he a, like a power forward or what? Yeah, he's a power forward, like six nine. Uh, actually, a pretty good three point shooter. So so we'll see. I mean, but they did say that he's probably not going to be a one and done player. So it actually might be huge for Duke. Yeah, that would be. That's what they need. That's for sure. They do. They, they do. You think they, they need to get rid of the one and done rule? I'm just curious. So they're trying to by 2021, 2022. Mm-hmm. Do you want that to happen? Yes, I I think it. As now, I'm trying to answer it as unbiased as possible because if I was a fan of a team that didn't have this problem, I don't know how I'd answer it. But yes, I I, I wish that it would stop. I think that it's a good thing. It would definitely be a good thing for NCAA basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's the right thing for players. Um, I don't know, because you're giving them the opportunity. Like, yes, if you have a really good year and you can go and get drafted and, and you're done with, you're getting paid. Uh, but I guess basketball, in the grand scheme of things, like, if I remember right, football is not the sport that most people get hurt in, which which sounds crazy. I feel basketball. like I looked at, Yeah, I think it is basketball. Yeah. So it, in terms of, like, career-ending injuries and season-ending injuries. So you run that risk, which is why Zion would never stay, just because, yeah. like, he had an absurd year. And Well, he's and, staying, so. Well, he's not. <laughs> if, <laughs> hey, if, I'll um, tell you what, Hayden. If, if Zion stays, Oregon wins the national championship, and the Bills win the Super Bowl this year, I'll pay off all your student loans and – Bargo, that's not a bet you want to make because somehow I'll make that happen. Well, if that's the case, then you, you said earlier your life's already over. My life will be over, and it'll be at a good cause, and we'll go on ESPN and talk about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, it'll be so, a like, little thing. So I, if they do get rid of the one-and-done rule, I hope that they start allowing players in the NCAA to like use their name to make money. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen with NCAA sports, though. Well, then the NCAA needs to be abolished. Yeah, well, the NCAA Hot just take. wants all the money. to. I'm, I'm with you. I, the NCAA makes a lot more money than you think, and it's very comparable. It's very comparable, if not more. Like, And I'm not talking. like The NCAA makes more than the NFL and the MLB and all these other, play, all these other things because they have all these different types of sports. Now, granted, no one's... Not a lot of people are watching NCAA baseball, um, 
but you, you just throw like their giant net over everything. They're making a ton of money, and there's not really any sort of, um, yeah, there, there's not any sort of compensation they have to really like pay their players. Yeah. Um, so the NCAA made a billion dollars finally this past, like in 2018. So they they made one point no in 2017 they made one point one billion dollars. Yeah. The uh, NFL makes like fifteen billion, but still the fact that like there's so many NCAA players that definitely could profit off of their names. Oh, I agree. I think there has to be something, and that kind of goes into like the debate that that's always been around since we were in middle school, high school is should college players get paid? And I don't necessarily know if they should get directly paid. But there should be some yeah. sort of better form well, of ever, compensation. Ever since the Penn State scandal, I mean, I, I've always thought that Mark Emmert was a dickhead. So, I mean, yeah. it's just like I, I, I've i always greedy. been like anti-NCAA just because they're jerks. Yeah, they're definitely greedy and, and they're selfish in, the, in that manner. They just don't want to change something that that's they've never had to do any of that so that they don't think – they should, and then they'll start pushing like, "Oh, we have the best." Be a student athlete. Did you guys see the uh, the student athlete commercial that was running around? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is, that is the most unrealistic thing. And obviously, yeah. I can only speak from a D three level, but that is not at all how it goes. No, <laughs> you don't really get much sleep. You're you're busting your ass in the classroom, and you're getting you're falling into different pieces by the end of whatever sports season you are. Like, it just shows how disconnected they are. Absolutely, and it's and just embarrassing. Yeah, and that tweet went around too. Like, pretty almost anyone, everyone that I know that played football for Juniata retweeted that. Like, hey, this is not how it works whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely a huge disconnect, and it's really just a disservice because they they talk about they talk about how they they talk about it and they promote how much like a student athlete really means to them, but they have no idea. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with all that. So yeah, uh, but we'll terms... see. I I think that uh, just one last thing. I think that the rule that they're trying to implement is you can go to the G League after high school, and you would get a base salary of like a hundred thousand or something like that, and then after that, you can get up to the NBA. But I don't like that. I, I don't. I don't like it. I don't know what I would like, but I would like a system where you can go, but if you go to college, it's like a two like a two year thing. I'm not saying yeah. it's got to be a three year like college football is, but it's got to be a two year thing. You at least because the whole system of I mean, let's be honest. I am pretty much said he was going to go to the NBA before he even got to Duke. You're literally going there, pretty much taking just BS classes and just. I, I, I hate the system. I'm not saying it's the player's fault. I'm not saying it's the university's fault. I just wish that kids who actually want to play college basketball actually play college basketball and get the actual college experience. Well, Penn State used to have a basket weaving uh, degree. Oh, there That's, we go. And I know there are some crazy ones from like Alabama, LSU. Like There are definitely people that have no intention whatsoever of, what? of, of doing school. <laughs> What's the one that uh, we you always see, uh, like at Penn State games, whenever the players come up? No, the the players come up and they're like, "Yeah, sports and recreation." That's my major. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about, Hayden. It's not sports and recreation. It's like it's almost like sports management, but it's not. I, I forget. But yeah, if you look in the program, like half of the Penn State team, at least in the last few years, have like the same degree. 
Parks maybe, Recreation. Maybe it is, maybe it is Spike's degree. Yeah. It is. It's Park Recreation Tourism Management. Yes, that's it. That is it. Hell yeah. Well, didn't, didn't you have a class with a Penn State football player? Yeah, I had one with, well, ex-football player Torrance Brown. Hmm. Or Micah Parsons is studying just liberal arts. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, well, Micah you Parsons. You expect me to think he's, like, going to be some doctor in the liberal arts? No. Well, Mike, Micah Parsons also didn't fin- – he graduated high school, not that because he was ahead, but they allowed him to graduate high school – uh, in the fall or winter after football season was over. And then he started a spring semester with Penn State where, where he had, I think, one class. Maybe it was two yep. classes. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. But it was definitely classes just so he was enrolled to Penn State so he can get on their lifting regimen. Because they eat like freaking kings at Penn State. They do. Like the, fucking, yeah, state and this isn't state. this isn't like a, a debate on whether they should get paid or not. But I'm just saying – just from being on campus and being around these players, they get treated like royalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do. So, the, so do I think that they should probably be paid? Sure. But do I think that they're getting treated like crap? No, no not even, not even close. No, the, amount of, the, amount of adva- the amount of the amount of the amount of advantage that they have over just normal students is just astronomical. A hundred percent. And that's yeah, yeah. football, uh, football for sure. But student athletes in general at the D one level, <laughs> when you're a good team, <laughs> yeah. Penn State is the division of undergraduate studies. That's what they say. That's undecided. Yeah, yeah. For their for their major, it's just <laughs> division of undergraduate studies. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love how they phrase it like that. But literally, that was my degree for two years. Want to know why? Because I was undecided. <laughs> well, my brother at uh, at Juniata, you know, what the, I know Hayden calls it. Spike, take a guess at what they call it at Juniata when you're undecided. Uh, when you're undecided? Yeah. Oh, wow. it's probably some sort of liberal. What? What is it? Exploratory. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just call it what it is. You're ex- you're trying to find your inner self there. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely something else. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Did you guys see that Chris Davis uh, broke the futility record? I think it's 61 at-bats now. He hasn't had a hit. Embarrassing. My guy. Last season. Yeah. My guy. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look, and, and that's why the Orioles are so bad. <laughs> so. And still stuck in the contract. Yeah, yeah. For how many years? How many more years do they have? Mm, that's that's that a up really like... good question. Chris Davis. Regardless, like – for Chris Davis to go, oh, and what is it, 61 now? Yeah. 61. For, for him to go, oh, and 61, you truly have to be, like, blind. Like, not like not even, like, you, you're no longer at a major league level, I think, if you are, like, doing numbers like that. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. Could you imagine, so, Chris Davis's contract. No, I'm seeing it here, yeah. Yeah, it's not good for the Orioles. They just through twenty twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> they just need to eat that. Uh, yes. They just need to eat the yes. contract and say, "Screw it, we're going to pay him his guaranteed money." Because you think about it, when you're paying someone this much money, like Chris Davis could go over three hundred this year, and they're still going to start him because you can't pay someone that much that much money and not play them. Oh, listen to this! Listen to this. <laughs> so even after he's done. He's still going to receive annual deferred payments of $3.5 million from 2023 to 2032 and annual, wow. payments, and annual payments of $1.4 million from 2033 to 2037. My God. Can you imagine if the O's would have signed Manny Machado too? 
Oh my they, gosh. They would have been cuz cuz Manny Machado like he's kind of a bum now. I mean, I I never saw him as a bum, but I mean, let's face Your it. Your guy Manny. Yeah, my man Manny. My man Manny. Johnny Hustle. Johnny Hustle. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he smiles. I found pictures of him smiling. There we go. You guys, that's what you guys said. But There we go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Chris Davis is uh it, it's something else and I don't know. I, I definitely it's easy for us to say for them to eat the contract, but I think they they just want to see him turn it around because it's essentially saying, do you want some guy to take up a roster spot, or is he that worthless that you just want to eat his contract? Because it's not going to be any better for them if they eat it or they keep him. So I honestly see, just feel bad for the guy. <laughs> that's well, why no, this is why I like for the guy. Oh, sorry, this is why I like uh, like the whole idea of having guaranteed money in the majors in like any sport. Because if teams make dumb business decisions, they have to eat it. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. I, I love mess. I love that. Like I wish the NFL could do contracts like that and the like I I just wish that other organizations let their like poor team management really bite them in the ass, you know? Mm. And and that's kind of like the argument for why Major League Baseball is like I, I guess keeping the uh, no like salary cap you know, and it, yeah. it's just it's just all these teams have to bite the bullet now because they're giving these mega contracts. And Spike, I know you hate me saying it, but there we go. If, if, like and like, if just say Bryce Harper has a falling out, or even Mike Trout. I'll use Mike Trout as an example. Let's say Mike Trout continues to get injuries, and eventually it's going to catch up to him. You know, and now he's got this mega contract. Five years into it, he might be not the stud he was today. Or might and, not put as much effort into it because it's guaranteed money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it, it, they got to bite the bullet with, with these things. And and I get that players are going to hold out as much as they can until they get the money they want. But it, for play, for teams to be offering these crazy contracts where it's just going to make them broke in the end. It's, yeah, well, you, you guys know the Bobby Mania contract, right? With the Mets. Oh, happy Bobby Mania day. Yeah, it's, that's pathetic. And that's, that's through 2035. <laughs> Now, to be fair, it's only a million, and that's really not that much in the MLB yeah. world. Um, that's, but thirty-five, like, like how much? Yeah. How many millions of dollars is that? Like, well, it, it's one point two million from I don't know when it started. Would have been like the nineties, I think. No, it was the two thousand season. <laughs> so it's been from two thousand to thirty-five. So probably forty, fifty million dollars. And he, I think he start he stopped playing in the early two thousands. So. Yeah, that's that's something else. To be fair though, that was guaranteed that's guaranteed money, but it was also deferring it. And very smart by him. I, I think that was more so I I'd like to believe that Bobby Benia just had no self control and he was like, you know, instead of me just getting this big signing bonus and getting paid for like the next few years, I'm just gonna have him pay me a million every year so I don't blow it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know did you that... guys did you guys see that video of the gymnast breaking both of her legs? Oh yeah. No. Oh my you gosh, did, Hayden. You so, didn't see it, Hayden? I want you to just no. picture this, Hayden. I just want you to picture it. You have a link? Yes, yeah, I'll give you one. Yeah. Yeah, I won't I won't even I won't even say anything. Just oh my gosh. It's actually I don't think it's as gross as like the Kevin Ware and stuff like that. I I agree. I think it's it's on a very close level though you no know, oh definitely like if you actually think about what what is happening to our body it's 
So, where's the link at? Just to give you some background, Hayden, she broke both of her legs and, uh, what the hell is that called? She broke both of her legs and she dislocated both of her knees on this. Oh, Jesus Christ. Where's the video? I'm getting there. Okay. Allie! Come here. (laughs) I gotta get Allie in on this. No, you're good. I gotta, I gotta see. And let me know when you guys are ready. We'll, we'll play okay, it real we're. Quick. Uh, I'm, I'm not watching it. Okay. Okay. This gym just breaks both their legs. Oh, I saw it. Oh, you saw it? Okay, I haven't. Don't tell me. All okay, right. I'm gonna three, watch it in three, two, two one. Yeah, it, it's nasty, and you gotta feel. Ooh, so I don't like it when it has a warning. Oh, it's not good. He's oh, aerospace oh, engineering too. I'm so nervous right now. Okay. All right. She's flipping. Oh! Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah no yeah. way. Uh, no way. I really hope to God that her body in that moment got all the adrenaline that she'll what ever need for the rest of her uh, the rest of her life. And, and she didn't feel... Because if you watch, like, the aftermath, like, everyone uh, hurdles around her and they take the camera out. But uh, it... She could be screaming and stuff, but she was. She was crying. Yeah. You saw her start crying right away. That had yeah, to. Have... But, but there's no way that doesn't like... hurt. But you've seen like, ooh, there went the replay. Oh yeah, when I first saw this, I I didn't want to ever see it again. But but that being said, like, there's audio on this, and it's not like, I don't want to throw shade at women's basketball players, but every Juniata women's basketball game that I worked. Cause I always did like, I always did the balls or I just did bleachers and like making sure no one sits in the bottom row and just getting easy money. I feel like there's always be a girl that like turned an ankle and she would scream like she just lost a leg. And this girl who literally broke both of her legs and both the, the, the gross part about it is the fact that her, both of her knees came out of place and they, they almost literally turned around, which is absolutely disgusting. But for that type of injury, it almost just, it almost looked casual to me where she just like sat down. And she's like, well, shit, <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, that was just, I, I can't stand watching that stuff because yeah. I, I picture how much it probably hurts. Wow. Well, not and... even that. I, I think, not, not to cut you off, I don't think that when something like that happens, like I'm not saying I could deal with the pain or that it wouldn't hurt, but I feel like your adrenaline pumps so much that like you're just in shock. Oh, that's what Kevin Ware was. Kind of yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, he knew something was wrong, but he he probably didn't look down and expect to see bone, right? No, if you watch the video, he's like, he like looks down and is almost like annoyed. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. But he wasn't crying. Everybody else was crying, and then afterwards they interviewed him. He was like, I, I didn't feel it until after I got to the hospital. Yeah, but where I feel bad is I don't know her background. I don't know if Auburn's good. I imagine Auburn's a pretty good gym school. I really don't know. I don't know anything about gymnastics. Um, but you you just got to look at – it's like you look at the injury, you're like, ooh, that's gross. But think about her. Like she could have been like the type of person that was pushing toward the Olympics, and that's not something you can really recover from. And I'll tell you what, the internet is always harsh. The internet was terrible with this. was terrible. Oh, I bet. And it didn't help that the day after this happened, she tweeted out and said, I appreciate all the support. I'd like to let you guys know that I'm retiring from gymnastics. And everyone's, oh. like, 
everyone's like, everyone's like, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can't, you can't do a triple flip and come down on two broken, like already broken legs. There's no way. I really enjoy dark humor, man. Yeah, it is. It is very dark. And trust me, the comments. What's the name of the girl? Good. I don't know. I forget. But yeah, it was. It was. It's not good for her. <laughs> That's just gross. Yeah, you gotta feel bad, but. I know I talked to Brittany about it because Brittany used to do gymnastics and she said, because I thought if you look at the video, I thought it was the, not necessarily the way she came down on the mat, but where she came down on the mat. Cause it was like right near the edge of the mat. Cause whenever she falls back, when her knees buckle and she falls back, yeah, like, she landed probably heel at like the end of what you would expect, like any sort of mat to be. I thought that was just like a discomfort that not that you, you'd expect that to happen, but I didn't know if she like mistimed her her jump and she came down too early or something, but I think it's the same thing as like Kevin Ware is obviously gymnastics are nuts. Kevin Ware was shooting a three pointer and was fading away, right? Yeah, and he just came down on it like. Well, he had already he that. already had a fractured bone. Right. Like a, yeah. Like a minor like a minor fracture, right. so it was already weaker. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if they found something that said she already had something like that because think about all the pressure on your joints when you're a gymnast. Like going really high in the air, just landing with straight legs, that cannot be good for your body. Oh no! So, no, wow. I, I can't imagine the recovery and everything. Oh my gosh! Like, I just so I I just read a tweet. So in response to Sam Serio's, like she tweeted out that my pain is not your entertainment or something like that, and oh, she God. protected her tweets. But some guy said back to her. No offense, but you signed up for it willingly. Can't pick and choose what attention it brings. LOL. Yeah, oh, people are man. people are so are so 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 dark about everything like that. Because he it's keeps not them. he keeps tweeting at her the definition of a spectator sport. No, <laughs> and I'm sure there'd be people that would say, "Oh, gymna- no, much gymnastics. It's not a spectator sport." <laughs> but there's still like a community around oh, it, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. It's just. Man, if for and it's kind of embarrassing for like the gymnastics community. Like the only time they get much like an extreme amount of attention is when things like this happen. When things go wrong, yeah, <laughs> it's like no no one whenever uh, no one congratulates Boeing whenever one of their planes doesn't crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, right. Same type of deal. But oh man, you guys have anything else to add here? I think we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah, that was that was a good show. Um, so I know, I know soon we're going to be having a, uh, what is it? A five episode recap that we're going to be doing here soon, guys. If you uh, want to explain that. That's the plan. If you want to get into a little bit, Hayden. Uh, yeah. So we're going to be, uh, releasing a five, probably a five or 10 episode recap. I'm I'm not sure if we officially decided yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be trying to publish it this weekend. It's just going to be a highlight of all of our favorite clips from the past 10 episodes. Um, we're, we're hoping you guys enjoy it, and it's going to be funny, best moments, most interesting uh, moments within the podcast, uh, and we're going to be launching our first promotion here, so if you see our ad on Instagram or Facebook or any uh, other platform, uh, make sure to give it a like and uh, maybe go follow our page, uh, and also uh, be sure to leave uh, some feedback and let us know that you're listening. Uh, we always love hearing from people and and uh, people telling us how how they enjoyed listening and how they found certain things funny and or interesting. Uh, so yeah, we we'd love to hear your feedback, and I think that's pretty much it. Awesome. 
Well, guys, it was a pleasure doing this again with you. And uh, for everybody out there, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, at VacantHousePC, at VacantHousePC. And thank you guys for listening. See you later. Mm-hmm.